0: Hey, good evening to everybody not watching Saints Panthers, which I assume is almost everybody. Uh, Gabe DeArmond here, State of the Tigers, our weekly Monday night show brought to you by James Carlton State Farm at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton, first of all, he wants to be your insurance agent. He's going to do everything he can to get you the best deals possible. And he's also going to help out the University of Missouri and its efforts in name, image, and likeness while he does it. If you get in touch with James at carltoninsurance.net or by phone at 314-961-4800, you mentioned this show. You get a quote from him. He is going to donate $20 to Mizzou's NIL efforts. I know he's been working with Luther Burden. Big Mizzou fan. I was on the radio with him this morning. So uh, get in touch with James. Do him a favor. Do yourself a favor. Do Mizzou a favor in the process. And with that, we are going to bring in Gerard Hamilton to the show that predicted this all along. That that completely knew exactly that that Eli Drinkwitz was sandbagging and that he was going to unleash this offense and that Brady Cook was going to turn into a superstar quarterback who just kept hitting twenty yard passes. And then Missouri was going to beat Kansas State. I mean, I like I, I challenge anybody to find anything that that says you and I didn't call this one exactly how it went, right?
1: Exactly. We two and zero back to back weeks. We were <laughs> three and zero. We got it. We we came out jumping these first three weeks. But uh, Maybe, nah, that, yeah. that was crazy. No one could have predicted that or that ending. Like sixty one yards. That's that's insane. That's insane.
0: Yeah. I, I so let's start there. I mean. When he trotted out there, it didn't really cross my mind he was going to make it. Like, I didn't think it was completely impossible, but I just thought, nah, this, this is pretty unlikely, man. He's probably not making this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we didn't know it until, you know, after post game. But, like, when he missed the 53-yarder, I couldn't exactly tell where the ball went. But it felt like it kind of was dying mm-hmm. wherever it landed. I couldn't see from where I was at. But – he told us that basically he stubbed his toe, essentially, before he made the kick. So that's why it looked like that. We didn't know 61 was the thing. I know uh, right before fall camp ended, I asked him, like, what do you think the farthest is? And he's like, I mean, real like 70-something-plus. You know, yeah. I don't know. He was like, I don't know if I'd be in that situation. But I think I can, I can make it from there. And I'm just like, oh, I wonder if every kicker thinks that way.
0: He probably. I mean – like I think he could make a 70-yarder in warmups with nobody in front of him but I think you have to kick that so low I'm not sure you can get it there. I mean like we've all seen the angles of of where that ball went over the crossbar. Like I think it's probably good from 62. I think it's possible it was good from 63. It was not good from any more.
1: Sixty-three, I think it's pushing. I think sixty-two is a it has to doink on a crossbar and get the right yeah. type of. Uh, I
0: was thinking sixty-three; it might hit the crossbar and get over, but definitely not more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but
1: in all seriousness,
0: um, you know, we said I—I I mean, literally, you can you can back this up right before the game. What did I say? I said this is going to be a one-score game in the fourth quarter, and the reason I picked Kansas State is because I haven't seen Missouri make the plays. To, to to win that game. And it, exactly. all credit to them, they went out and did what we said we needed to see them do. And mm-hmm. and I'm a big, I'm not gonna pick you to do it until I see you do it, and, and now they've done it. And if they're in that situation next time, hey, maybe they'll do it again.
1: Exactly, that's, that's how, uh, that's sports. Uh, I was actually doing some work earlier, had first take on in the background, which typically I don't ever have the TV <laughs> on or watch that really but I just had it on to have it on and heard Ryan Clark. um, No, I heard Shannon Sharp basically say, you know, fans and media, we kind of judge, you know, players and stuff after we see them do it. Like that's when you become a believer. Like you don't, you didn't believe Tom Brady when he got drafted. You saw some things and you're like, okay, he's the guy. And that's kind of what it felt like for this particular game. We didn't know if the offense could do what it did until we said, oh, here's proof because you can only go on what you've seen. Up to that point.
0: And and look, I want to be clear. There were some people that absolutely were predicting that. But, like, here's the difference. Here's the difference in viewpoints for all you guys watching. Like, you are fans. You are emotionally invested in this. And I'm not going to say that nobody believed Missouri could win. But, like, you are emotionally predisposed to to think the best going into that game. And so, you know, I I think a lot of people were – Talking with their hearts a little bit. And hey, it turned out to be exactly right. So, so kudos. But, but I, I guess my point is obviously we didn't see this coming, but I don't really feel bad that I didn't see it coming. I mean, exactly. good I, I, for them, man.
1: Yeah. Like, it's not like we were saying this versus like they would lose to MTSU. I mean, I said it'd be close, but didn't say they'd lose. It's not like we said this versus South Dakota. We said there's a possibility. It wasn't like we were saying they got zero shot. But we us and a lot of the media in both, you know, both sides, cover K-State and Missouri, thought you know, K-State would pull it out. So I don't, yeah, I don't feel bad that I, I didn't pick them. They showed me something that I didn't see, which is exactly what I said in the preview I needed to see.
0: So after watching that game, do you think Missouri is better than you thought it was? Do you think K State is worse than you thought it was? Do you, do you think, think one or both or neither of those things?
1: I think Missouri is better than I previously thought. I also thought K State. I was doing some radio earlier today. I think K State was justified in their top twenty-five rankings. I didn't know until I was on the radio that they dropped out of to the top twenty-five. I didn't know that, but I thought it was a quality team and. After what they did last year, I mean, you would, it makes sense to believe that. Um, Missouri, I think their floor now to me is seven and five. And now they've moved to me where eight and four needs to be like kind of where they fit in. I think nine and three is very much in play. And I think their ceiling now is 10 and two. And, you know, you asked me this a week ago. I thought they were a seven to five team with nine and three being their ceiling. So I think they've just moved up a spot.
0: Yeah, I think Missouri's ceiling is higher than I thought it was. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, And I don't know if K-State is worse than I thought it was. K-State was worse on that day than I thought it would be. Yeah, that's how um, You know, like I think K-State is a top 25-ish team. Uh, but, but here's what surprised me about that game. And, and I don't want this to be taken as me taking anything away from Missouri. Because we'll talk about this. I don't think Missouri played an A game either. But for all the, this is a sideline mismatch. Kleiman's a better coach. His team never beats itself. And look, I said some of those things. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz wasn't perfect, but I thought he was better than Chris Kleiman on Saturday. I I, I thought Chris Kleiman mismanaged the end of the first half. His team got to delay a game when it could have taken the lead with the touchdown. Uh I, I just he, he, they had a penalty on the last play, which obviously didn't end up mattering. Um, they they kept throwing Avery Johnson out there and just running the same play. Like I, I thought, I, I didn't think Kleiman coached a great game on Saturday.
1: And in a way, though, that's why I think K State is still pretty solid. I mean, I, yeah, I think they, they, they lost are- on a sixty-one yarder in that last from both coaches. That last two minutes horrendous. Pretty much, so, I would say
0: about the last six minutes.
1: Yeah, yeah, like it, it was a, it was a pretty bad stretch. But um, yeah, I mean they won the game and that Missouri won the game based off drinks expertise, which is the off- offensive side of the ball. That's his side of the ball. Him and Kirby Moore won. Usually, you're saying Missouri won the game and you're saying it's because of Blake Baker and that defense. And this time it was the offense and it was still the defense handling business when they needed to. It wasn't as pretty as how it you know it usually is for the defense, but. I say drink won this battle. So
0: we talked about a little bit in the, uh, in the couple minutes before we came on air going in. I I think I had said last week, maybe that like, look, Missouri doesn't necessarily have to play an a game to, to win this. Like the, the, the gap was not so big between the teams that like I could see a B effort winning that game. I, did, I, I don't know. Did you do an overall grade? Do you do like an overall grade on, on Sunday? Or did you I didn't do an
1: overall. I did. I mean, for coaching, I put a minus. And when I think of when I after I put it, I probably would have given it maybe more of a B, just because of the defense. And you know, twenty-seven points. That's still pretty. Like that would have been a great day for the defense to come and, and you know show something. But I'm. I was so much thinking about the offensive side of the ball. So many new things that we saw. So many deep plays and things where you're just like, okay, so much like. They had nine different pass catchers targeted. Five of those were receivers got a couple of tight ends in the mix. It actually looked like, wow, 11 on 11 offense. And like, I'm not trying to be funny. I feel like last year it was 10 on 11 so many times because tight ends weren't being involved or it's only going to two receivers, you know. So I'd say it's probably more towards a B for the coaching, but I didn't have an overall kick for the whole thing.
0: Well, because because my thought was I would say Missouri played a B-to-B-plus game overall. You think that's fair? Yes. Yeah. So in that range, and they beat a top 15 w- team with a B-to-B-plus game, partly mm-hmm. because I would say K-State played a, I don't know, C-plus game.
1: Yeah, I was going to say B-minus. Maybe B-minus. B yeah. yeah.
0: So they, they played a little bit better, but I, I think there was this thought going in you know, I heard some people say if they play ten times, K-State wins seven or eight. After watching those two teams, I think they might be five and five if they played ten times. I don't think there's much of a difference between those teams.
1: More or less, yeah. I I, I do think, like I when I was writing up uh, four-down territory earlier today, I was thinking, wow, so drink basically the first two games was just like, oh, I got a good deep coy. I'm going to run the same offense I ran last year completely caught Chris Kleiman and uh, Joe Klanderman off guard didn't have a clue early on as to what to do to to stop that um, Missouri offense and throughout the game you just kept seeing different things here and there you know stuff that you've never seen or haven't seen in in quite a while from this offense so I I think that's about right
0: yeah um and, and like Missouri left some out there I mean I thought at halftime Missouri could add four interceptions. Honestly, Will Howard put <laughs> some balls out that that you know JC Carlisle uh, he didn't really drop one, but had one he could have gotten. There was another deflection that that could have been picked. I, I even the deflection in the end zone that Carlisle tipped, and I mean that's just bad luck that it's a touchdown instead of a pick. Um, you know they they miss a field goal. I I guess my point is I think I think the both best, teams miss
1: a field goal too.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. I think the best news for Missouri is that they won that game, but there is a lot that Eli Drinkwitz can tell his team this week. That hey, this this part's got to get better.
1: Yeah, um, I think also obviously confidence boost to the two people who probably need them the most in, in Brady Cook and Harrison Meeve. It's not saying they don't have confidence, but I'm just saying to play the way they did and come out come up huge the way they did, like mm-hmm. you you feel so much better because just a week and a half ago, like right after that MTSU game, somebody asked about, or I think it was me. I asked about the special teams or something like that. And he said he was concerned. And so to go from concern to 61 yarder, that's good to go from kind of like vanilla. Are we sure this is a different type of offense to career, career day for Brady cook. And I keep thinking about this 14 to 22 for one seventy and a touchdown after he sprained his knee. I that's, That's big time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, nobody raised their ceiling more than Brady Cook because what did we say all along? Like, I I haven't seen him be the reason the team won a game, right? Like, he he hasn't necessarily been the reason they lost always, but I hadn't seen him go out and winning. If you make a list of 10 reasons Missouri won that game, Brady Cook is no lower than three, and I would say probably one. He's – I mean, Meavis is there. Mavis, Burden is there.
1: Yeah. Um, first two, you can of con- Meavis, to me, is Meavis and Cook, whatever order. I personally think Cook because he played the whole game. Obviously, he fought through the injury, and he got him to the position where Meavis can even attempt something like right. that. So I'd personally say Cook, but, you know, either way.
0: So, uh, So we talked about the offense a little bit. I know that that we've got some questions about that. Uh, the spread concepts looked good. Uh, do you think the coaching staff sticks with more aggressive game plan? So here is the fascinating part about this to me. Like we knew that they hadn't showed everything, but I don't know a better way to put it than that takes some balls to be in a four-point game with Middle Tennessee. and Like I, I said on, on another podcast I recorded earlier today, do you think at some point in the last 10 minutes against Middle T- Tennessee like somebody said hey do you think like we don't got to open up the whole playbook but maybe should we go to chapter 2 here for a minute you know but credit <laughs> to them they just they just kept reading that same page and and they got here at 2 and 0 so I don't I don't say that to to discredit them power to them they clearly thought hey we can just run like nine plays and we can be 2 and 0 and they are they were
1: yeah, so what was, the, what was the score? The score is 23-19. I'm trying to think if MTSU scores seven. Okay, because I'm thinking, like, what is – if MTSU scores on that last drive, yeah, do they go to Chapter 2 or do they just try to say, you know, we can right. get a, we can get at least a field goal by still doing what we're doing? Like, I, I'm just thinking that. But with this question, someone asked uh, about the – can they win the 17 to 21 points? I think you keep maybe what you were doing a little bit don't eliminate everything but the offense you showed can- versus Kansas State bring that this is like, your offense. That, now. Yeah, you take that to you know to St. Louis and you can beat Memphis with that and you know keep some stuff from last year. I don't think you have to keep ex- Kansas State is obviously way better than Memphis. So you don't need to expose too much. Maybe a player or two there but I don't think you got to unload a whole nother chapter for Memphis.
0: Right, but the, the point being that the reason it was so effective against Kansas State was you hadn't shown it, right? Right. I, I mean, they go in there and they don't know if you can do what you did in the first quarter against them. Well, now it's on film. Everybody's seen mm. it. There's nothing to hide now. Every coach is going to look at that film and know kind of what you're trying to do. So you've got to find some other wrinkles. But there's no point to to go back to, you know, in the in the first two games, I, I want to say – That Cody Schrader and Nate Pete averaged somewhere around 30 carries between them in the first two games. They had 17 on Saturday. And that's the that is, I I mean, I I posted some numbers last week that I think Missouri's biggest problem wasn't how deep they were throwing or how many they were completing. It was just that they weren't throwing nearly enough. And they opened it up and they did. They they let Brady Cook throw the ball around the field and it, it was effective.
1: Yeah, that's the, uh, what did he throw, 35 passes to, what did you just say, 17 rushes? 17 that's, rushes. Well, yeah. yeah, that's probably 17 the 17
0: running back rushes, yeah.
1: That's probably the ratio Kirby Moore and, and Drink want, um, especially with the, the talent they got at receiver, because we was wondering the first couple of games, like even talking about these receivers all offseason, why why aren't you using them? Where are you going to use them? How are you going to use them? And so, yeah, they definitely need to pass the ball more, and, Brady looked good doing it. So
0: and as as good as Luther was, like the reason that that the team was good was Mookie Cooper was involved. Theo Weiss was the guy that put him in field goal range at the end. Marquise Johnson shows up with a, a huge downfield pass. Brett Norfleet made probably the biggest catch or the best catch of the game, you know. Um, and my favorite, my favorite play of that game was their, I think it was like fourth and goal on the two. And they send Luther in the jet sweep motion behind Brady Cook and everybody follows him and Brady keeps it and and, and runs in for the touchdown. I mean, that's how a guy like Luther Burden impacts the game without the ball in his hands.
1: Right. And I was writing earlier just like I didn't think he'd get a 1,000 yards this year, not because he's incapable, clearly capable of doing Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. but just because of of the talent. And now you see what happens when everybody gets involved and you use everybody's strengths and stuff like that, like not as much pressure on Brady Cook, not as much pressure on Luther Burden. Everybody is going to be happy, and you're putting defenses on their toes a lot more than you were.
0: The the best players make other players better just by being there, right? I mean, right. I, I know yesterday didn't prove it in, in the Chiefs-Jags game, but, like, those other guys on that offense are better when Travis Kelsey is on the field because Travis Kelsey has to be accounted for. That Luther Burden – will be that way in this offense. Uh, Dan McColl is asking where things stand on the injury front. We don't know. Um, we'll find out tomorrow. I mean, at this point. We'll uh, unless, we will ask like, tomorrow, but just, I don't
1: know if they're going to give it to us. Yeah.
0: But, like, unless it just swelled way up after the game, I'm assuming Brady's fine. He looked pretty fine in the fourth quarter. Uh, Marcellus Johnson is really the one I, that yeah. I think we kind of wonder about.
1: Wasn't there – I like there was somebody on defense uh, – so maybe on the trip and I felt like um, I thought I will say maybe another person on a defense or maybe like a, 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 a offensive defense. Line. I feel like I saw somebody else besides I mean, Xavier Delgado, went Delgado. Out for
0: one play, but he literally missed oh. one snap.
1: Okay. Right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So, um, but Marcellus Johnson, I mean, while we're talking about it, I mean, it, I, I wasn't even, he played about 30 snaps before he got hurt. And then Cameron Johnson came in for the last 35 and, Hey, maybe they found maybe they just found Marcellus's position. Cause like I'm not saying they were great, but he seemed to do all right. At, like I never thought, oh man, this dude is is hurting them at, at uh right guard.
1: Uh okay. I well, I'll put it like this. I didn't notice him too much, which is a good thing with offensive line. Like I didn't think uh that's a penalty or dang somebody's gonna be. I will say though, they the whole offensive line kind of struggled in run blocking. I they couldn't really set nothing up for the running backs. The running backs couldn't go nowhere, so that was tough. But yeah, I didn't see like a huge no problem.
0: Yeah, um, and and again, Britt's asking about Brady's knee. I mean,
1: he said he was if it's hurt, hurt,
0: keep it hurt, man, because he was good in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and and I think I think that third quarter and Drink said as much was kind of about them figuring out what can he do, like. Can we run him the way we've been running him? If not, what what can he do? And, and Drink said he went to him and said, "Look, I know you're not going to take yourself out of the game, but you've got to tell me now. If, if 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 you can't help us win this game, you've got to tell me now." And Brady obviously said, "I can." And I think at that point, that was Drink's cue and Kirby Moore's cue to just say, "All right, we're no limitations. We're running the offense. If he can't do it, we'll figure it out." uh because of his health but but we are running the offense and and letting him go and i don't think they did that in the third quarter i think they backed off kind of almost as a precaution and then hey fourth quarter i don't know what his fourth quarter numbers were but but i know they were pretty good
1: yeah uh, real quick to go back to marcel johnson actually uh according to pff he had the highest pass blocking grade at 80.7 so when he was out yeah. there had good protection now everybody like i said everybody kind of had some Struggles, yeah. Except Javon Foster
0: and... Oh, Foster had a false start at one point, though. I remember.
1: Yeah. Hold on, let me...
0: Yeah. Uh, Josh Randall wanted to take on this. Is Rakestraw taking a jump over KAD? KAD's getting stats because he's being targeted, but I feel like Rakestraw isn't getting stats because he's locking this guy up. So that's always hard to judge as a cornerback, especially without all 22 film. Like, I, I don't know. And also who's who's defending the other team's best receiver you know i mean i mean that that impacts it like like missouri is going to throw the ball to luther burden regardless of of which corner from the other team is covering him i thought chris abrams drain was probably the second best defensive player missouri had on saturday
1: yeah they did say he gave up a touchdown he was And I can't can't remember what it was. I know he
0: he had a pick, and he prevented a touchdown, too.
1: Yeah, he had two two pass breakups. Um, I'll say this. To me, the corners are closer to 1 and a 1A more than a 2, at least on this team. Like, if you go back to Ray Straw's stats last year, I can argue they were better than KADs because, Mm -hmm. like, he, he had an interception, had a forced fumble, he had, like, fumble cover. Like, he had more, you know, other stats, and he only had two less pass deflections. On the other hand, KD is usually guarding the team's number one. And he played big time and got the first team's first takeaway of the of the year. So mm-hmm.
0: uh Scott Jones says five and zero, oh, and then LSU. I mean that's the goal, obviously, and they'll be expected to. They're a seven point favorite over Memphis. I bet they'll be a little bit bigger than that over Vandy. But look, Memphis is so here's the challenge. It's easy to get a team to be up for, for games like Saturday, right? They 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 beat your ass last year. It's kind of this regional rivalry. It's a game your your fan base and your players have been pointing to for a year. It's not if you can't get up for that game, you shouldn't play college football. Getting up for this one's a little tougher. You know, it's gonna be kind of a weird environment. Um it's a neutral site game. Memphis is a team where You're not going to get any credit if you beat them, but they are good enough to beat you on the right day.
1: Yeah, uh, it's gonna. It's just definitely going to be weird, and you know, like kind of how you was mentioning the carryover from like big game to, let's be honest, Memphis and Vanderbilt. Like you, you could kind of see like looking over just a little bit, like looking at LSU, kind of just thinking about them just a little bit more. But I think they'll be fine the next couple of weeks as long as, especially if they keep playing this type of offense and the defense goes back to what, what we've seen them to be.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, Tad Danner asked the pessimistic view of that. What's it mean if we lose to Memphis? Well, what it means is Saturday kind of goes out the window. You gave it all back. So that can't happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You, you cancel it out. I mean, you got the better win, but it's not mm-hmm. the loss you want. Right.
0: Uh, Kyle saying, I think getting Bailey back this week would help the defense. He played 23 snaps last week. You're I think nothing. Chuck Hicks played, I don't know, 35 or 40, somewhere in that range. Um, but, yeah, getting Bailey back is another option, helps keep Hicks fresh. But I think Chuck Hicks has played really well.
1: Chuck Hicks has played well. They each only had, I think, one tackle. I'm going to check on with the defense Have PFF real quick. They each had one tackle. I think – this felt like kind of just getting his feet wet for uh, Chad a little bit to me. But, yeah, like, I mean, Parker's been playing well, so if, if they can get a nice little rotation in the linebacker room, that helps. I mean, better than just rushing Chad out there and risking, you know, re-injuring whatever he's got going on. Yep.
0: um, it's Carlisle overrated seems to tad late and seems to give up big plays habitually? Um, I think going into last year, we thought Jalen Carlisle was going to go pro. And he didn't, and I think last year is a reason for that. Uh, yeah, he's got to he's got to prove he's got to prove that the play matches the tools, right?
1: Yeah, we was kind of talking about this in, in the press box. There was one, I think it was like a crosser or a post route where he just stopped the guy at the goal line, and I was like, did he get beat or was he just stuck? And what I mean stuck was he just stuck in his free safety spot and kind of like kind of went late, reacted late to the play. It looked like he was just kind of reacting late to the play. Now he's obviously athletic enough to hawk the guy down, but yeah, it just feels like there's times where you're just like, Man, I I don't know if he's like getting it all the way sometimes, with, you know, coverages or something like that. Because he definitely has like he looks like an NFL player for sure. But then he has games like versus Tennessee and this game where it says he was part of the reason for two touchdowns. Like you said, that that first one was a, a kind of a fluke play, but you just wonder, like, uh, you expect more. Yeah.
0: Um, all let right. right. Uh, we've had a couple of questions along these lines. Uh big reason the ceiling's raised is because the SEC stinks. Uh, besides Georgia, there isn't a team they can't beat. I mean, look, South Carolina had Georgia down 14-3. Like, I think Georgia is st- – if I'm ranking the SEC, number one's easy. Georgia's still number one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I don't think they're – they're not invincible. They're not the last couple years, Georgia. Now they may be at some point this year, but I don't think they are right now. I think number fourteen is pretty clearly Vanderbilt. They're the worst team in this league. But two to thirteen, I mean, I don't know. LSU is probably two. A and M or Ole Miss is probably three. But those are not teams I look at and say that even like the like I think most people would have said Tennessee was three or four, and Florida was eleven or twelve, and Florida dominated. My point is yeah. two to thirteen. Throw them in a hat on any given day, man.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I really got nothing to say that it sums up my thoughts exactly.
0: And, and I think it is certainly possible that Georgia loses a game in the regular season,
1: which is weird because
0: Georgia's schedule kind of sucks.
1: I was about to say, I've got to see who they even play. They, um, I, I
0: know they don't play a ranked team until November. Now, that could change, like if Missouri works its way into the top 25 by the time of that game or whatever. But, um, I mean, they're not supposed to play a team that's in the rankings until November. So, you know, yeah, I, got I guess a... Florida's number twenty-five now. Which, I, I'll be honest, man, I don't know if much of anybody in college football is good, like really, <laughs> like 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 high level good. This would be a fun ass year for a twelve team playoff because I think this is yeah. one of the very few years that like eleven could really beat three.
1: Right. Right. Like. <sighs> One more year, one more year, and also Oklahoma and Texas come. It's going to be big things going on just overall in college football. All the well, not just Oklahoma and Texas, but stuff in the Big Ten. Everything, everything's going crazy.
0: Yeah, no question. Um, let's see. Does Mizzou win that game without a sold out crowd? I mean, maybe, but it didn't hurt. I don't. I don't know. It's 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 possible that that the fifty, however many thousand Mizzou fans, because there was a, a little pocket of purple, but. Maybe maybe all the fans were just blowing south and, and kind of helped Mevis's football it, it kick over the over the goalposts there.
1: I mean, like you said, it, it couldn't hurt. It didn't hurt, it didn't hurt uh K State last year when when they won. Now I right. do think they were a better team, but again, my point that probably helps.
0: Yeah. Oh, you yeah. heard it. Appreciate you. Yeah. Um, and look, there's a reason home field advantage is a thing. Uh Thing I like most about Baker's defense is the intent to scare the hell out of the opposing quarterback. They aren't afraid. I mean, we noticed it immediately, Gerard. Their first three third downs, they brought like six, seven, and five. And then I thought the biggest defensive play of the game, and and I can't remember if it was the third and goal or if it was, you know, back back more toward midfield, but there was a play where Missouri yeah. really needed a stop. And they only rushed four, but one of them was Dalen Carnell, and they dropped a, a defensive lineman back into coverage to replace him. Like, Blake Baker's a hell of a defensive coordinator.
1: Oh, yeah. He's he, it was he's exciting. <laughs> he's just the exciting. And those type of things, it's the evolution of the defense. You know, again, last year was vanilla. This year kind of starting to show a little bit more of what they can do.
0: Yeah, we're getting a few questions about uh, – Ticket sales this coming weekend. I do know they've sold a couple thousand since Mavis made that kick. It That has certainly helped. Uh, I posted on the board today, the capacity for this game is not 66,000. A decent chunk of the dome is is going to be kind of closed off. So the most they can have for this game is like in the, in the mid to high 30s. I don't know if they'll get there or not. Um, got a few more days left. So we'll see. It's... It'll be it'll be interesting to see what it looks like. It's going to be mostly Missouri fans. Memphis is going to have about a thousand people there, from what I'm hearing. So uh, I don't think uh, I, I think it will be everything. Let, let's put it this way: I think there were more K State fans at Furrow last week than there are going to be Memphis fans at the Dome this week. I believe it. Yeah. Um, let's see. What's the chance we see DJ Wessellack play this year? I'd say I'd say about zero. Because Johnny Walker and Darius Robinson are playing a whole lot, man.
1: Yep. And they also like Niles Gaddy. Um, yeah, he's played well. Joe Moore's snaps. Well, I, no, I've seen him play, but I haven't seen nothing where like his I guess his spot is solidified, maybe uh necessarily yeah. at least at this point. It's only been three games, but and I think he's game, only
0: he's only averaging about six to eight snaps a game. I mean yeah, it he just, is they're primarily playing three guys at defensive end. Like Johnny Walker is second or third on the team in snaps, you know. So
1: he's, and he's playing a lot too. Of,
0: Yeah, and, and and I think kind of gets forgotten because of the penalty, and it was a good call. But like Niles Gaddy blew up a big play on K State's last drive, but it got it. It, it didn't count because he, he got his hand in the face mask and, and ended up giving up fifteen yards, mm-hmm. which. You know, which which happens. Um, let's see. Uh trying to, to roll through some of these questions. Uh we need a five star running back. I don't see anyone on the roster with breakaway speed yet. I'd I'd still like to see I, I feel like this would be a good week to maybe give Jamal Roberts a few carries in his hometown, you know.
1: Yeah, see bad. what the kids got. Um, get Tavor Jones out there, too. He's he's a pretty quick guy as well. I mean, if the offense is humming like this, I mean, why not spread some of those carries out, not only just versus Memphis, versus, versus Vandy, too. If you want to yeah. save up Schrader and Peter or whatever, because I want to say this past week uh, for practice, I seen Schrader was in a green, like a non-contact jersey and stuff, just because of how many touches he had. If you want to kind of save those guys up for the LSU game or whatever, this would be a great time to get those two involved.
0: And like, you know what? Cody Schrader, credit to the kid, man. Missouri had 31 yards rushing all day, and then he popped off a 35-yard run that that kickstarted that touchdown drive that gave him the lead. Like, that was a big play, I
1: thought. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, man at Arms is asking about Marquise all He's just look. They brought back their top five defensive tackles from last year. There's just not playing yeah. time there right now.
1: Yeah, they're same. Same goes for Jalen Marshall. Same goes for uh, Kai Montgomery. Like. We're not gonna know whether they're doing good or bad. I'm gonna let's just be positive and see what they're doing well. But with all the guys they got brought they brought back in and like look at Josh Landry. Like he wasn't starting he was in the starting lineup uh this week and he's been playing well. Drink ended, you know, fall camp pressure saying he's been one of the top two defensive tackles at times during camp. And you kind of seen that on Saturday with some of the pressure he was getting.
0: And that's the deepest position on the team. It's just not a place where a, a young guy yeah. is is going to get many chances. But next year, yeah, man, yeah, they got four like four are all gone.
1: Yeah, they got like four, I want to say, who are gone, except like I think it's Christian Williams who isn't.
0: I think Christian Williams could come back, but you know, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think he'll have an opportunity to get drafted maybe after this year. Um,
1: but he did lose his starting spot. I'm pretty sure Landry was the one. I think it two. was Landry
0: and Jernigan on Saturday,
1: who, who were starting, right?
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I, I don't know, but yeah. But he, he, I,
0: I also think Christian Williams had the most snaps of all defensive tackles. Okay. So,
1: which
0: is which is probably a. a just as good a way to judge it if not better. So yeah, I was about um, to say
1: how they their rotations, it don't really matter too much who they start. Like if any position on the team starting doesn't mean as much because of how they run their rotation. But,
0: right. So uh any uh just kind of initial I don't know if you've like taken a look at all to at uh Memphis any initial thoughts on this week other than kind of what we've talked about you can't have a letdown.
1: I haven't, I haven't got to to look at Memphis yet. That's probably something I'll start doing Wednesday because tomorrow is just going to be Missouri players, press conferences, all that stuff. But Wednesday is probably the time I'll get a chance to look at them. So I'm not going to tell you I've seen them play Navy or whoever else. But just the most thing – the thing I keep thinking about that most impressed me about this past game was the nine plays of 15 yards or more and the fact that all six scoring drives were three minutes and four seconds or less. So like when they're going, they're going like, that's, that's a good sign that, you know, you know, your up, tempo, your fast offense or your deep players are kind of connecting. And it feels like at any moment you can put points on the board and it doesn't have to be such a sustained long drive. Although you like those, sometimes it's cool to be like, all right, we can have a two play drive with like that Cody Schrader 37 yard run. And then I think it was Luther burden with the 26 yard touchdown after that. Like, those are, you know, good things to have.
0: Yeah. Uh somebody's asking about Dennis Jackson. I mean, he's playing a handful of snaps, but he dropped what had a chance to be a touchdown pass. Yeah, he had
1: one guy to miss. And his the thing they like most about him is give him the ball in space and let him try to make someone miss. And he dropped the ball basically trying to turn before he already had it. And Incomplete. And, and, and look, it's tough
0: run. when you're not getting a lot of opportunities. You know, yeah. to be ready for that opportunity, but the way you the way you earn it is is to make that play. Uh, last one here, Kevin Smith. You guys touched on it Saturday on the post game show. Any concerns about missed tackles?
1: They had 14 according to PFF, and Tyron Hopper. While he was the best player on the field, he had four of those. And they had four guys with at least two missed tackles or more. It's not like a huge worry, but I will say, dating back to last year, anytime the defense has kind of a poor day, it usually starts with tackling and missing a lot of them. So they just kind of got to lock in on that. But I don't think it's like a week-to-week thing to worry about. Yeah, there were a
0: couple drives that they could have gotten out of sooner. But, but again, that goes back to what we're talking about. They didn't play an A game. They played well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they can be better than they were on Saturday, and there there will be times this season – that they have to. So uh Gerard's got four down territory coming in the morning. Uh hope I hope you guys uh I had 10 thoughts this morning. Hope maybe you checked out the story on Martez Manuel and, and his girlfriend kind awesome of a, a different a different uh tack with that one, but but hope you guys check that out. And we'll have all kinds of stuff. We will be at the dome on uh Saturday evening. We'll have have another show on Thursday with Brian Moss from our Memphis site um previewing Tigers versus Tigers. So uh I don't know, Gerard. I know you're. I know you fired up to go see Panther Saints, man. So, so we're gonna let you get to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I'm not fired up, but it is on, so I, I will watch it.
0: <laughs> Why are people watching? Because it's on TV.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. Uh- Thanks to Gerard for spending some time with us. Thank you guys for, for hanging out with us. Uh, we're, we're pretty regularly getting about 150 people on here on these Monday night shows. So we do appreciate you guys taking some time out of your uh, Monday nights to join us live. If you're here, do us a favor, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you do that, you're going to get notifications when we go live so that it, whenever it is after a game or on Thursday afternoons, Monday nights, whatever it might be, that, that you'll just get a push notification. You won't have to sit around here and wait or, or check the site to know when it's going to happen. uh want to remind you before you go that your next click should be carltoninsurance.net, or if you'd prefer the phone, 314 961 4800. That's going to put you in touch with James Carlton State Farm in Webster Groves, Missouri. If you live in Missouri, you live in Illinois, we all need insurance, everybody does. If you've managed to get by without it this t- this long, quit taking a risk, get in touch with James Carlton. He's going to give you the best deal he can give you. He's going to hook you up with, uh, with the most competitive rates he possibly can. And he's also, if you talk to him and get a quote, he's going to donate $20 to Mizzou's NIL collective. And you've started to see some, some nice impacts there. So every little bit helps, and James has been doing his part. And, uh, guys, thanks for doing your part. Appreciate you hanging out. We'll talk to you next time.